The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. There are so many challenges involved in the college process, including choosing the right college, planning a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and much more. The team of experts from College Coach are here to help you find some, if not all, of the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Elizabeth Heaton. Good afternoon and welcome to this week's episode of Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. I'm your host, Ian Fisher. And we're recording this on the other side of October 1st. By the time you hear this episode, it'll be the 5th of October. And with changing leaves and playoff baseball, go D-backs, it'll be impossible to deny that fall has arrived. We have a West Coast heavy show for you today with a two-segment deep dive into the essays for the University of California. Whether you're considering Berkeley or UCLA, Riverside or Irvine, we'll help talk you through your approach to writing your responses to these personal insight questions. If you're not so interested in the UCs, I think you should stick around anyway. You'll learn a little bit about how to approach some short 350-word essays, and we'll absorb some tips on how to approach topics that can be found in essay supplements for many other schools. Plus, our last segment will be a discussion of scholarships for students from all over the country. So don't feel like you need to switch off that radio dial just yet. To get started with the UCs, I'd like to welcome Christine Sawicki to the show. Christine worked with me for a number of years at Reed College before working as a senior admissions officer at Stanford University, and now she's with us at College Coach. Hey there, Christine. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Ian. It's great to be here. So you have read a lot of uh, applications and essays in your time, probably more essays than anybody else on this team, although I don't know that... We necessarily want to talk about the total numbers, um, but before we get into the discussion it's of the, it's definitely ahead. been more than ten thousand. <laughs> more than ten thousand. Okay, so that's that's a lot. Um, but before we get into discussion of actual essays, I want to talk just briefly about the UC application. I think you know we're pretty familiar with it because we work with students, uh, especially on the West Coast. Uh, we've got a sense of what the details and the mechanics of the application are, but for those who are planning to apply to the University of California and maybe haven't gotten in there and seen what that system looks like. Um, let's let's talk it over just, just in terms of some of the basics. So uh, what would you say are sort of the basic principles uh, of the University of California application? Um, uh, the University of California uh, system uh, does take a holistic approach uh, to reviewing applications. I think some families uh, figure that because they see such a large number 
uh, of applications every year uh, that they couldn't possibly take the time to do a holistic review. Uh, But they do. And the essays are are definitely a part of that holistic evaluation. Um, The UC uh, website, the universityofcalifornia.edu website, is incredibly thorough in presenting uh, their review process. And if you haven't already checked that out, I think that's a great thing to do as you're uh, beginning to uh, prepare your applications. Um, It will outline uh, the factors that are most important in making their decision, and you'll find it very clear (laughs) that a holistic review is definitely coming through in their their process. And I think differently from some other schools that use a holistic review, the University of California system has no letters of recommendation as a part of their process. Um, When it comes time to actually look at your extracurricular involvement, instead of giving you 10 spaces to, to list your activities, you actually get five different categories in which to list up to five activities. So it's a little bit different in format from the Common App and the, and the Coalition application in the, in the way that it, it is laid out. Um, that also, I think, puts an extra emphasis on these personal insight questions because they are really an opportunity for you to speak directly to your reader. Um, now, you said you were talking with a, a dad of one of your students pretty recently, and he was surprised at the nature of these these questions. Why was that? Um, it was because he had older sons that had gone through the process um, a few years prior, and uh, the UCs made a change uh, to their essays. Um, I believe it was two years ago. Uh, yeah. So he was expecting the one big personal statement essay and uh, was surprised to find that uh, um, his uh, now third student uh, would be writing four shorter uh, essays in response. Right, so it used to be that you wrote a thousand total words and you could allocate that a thousand words however you would like for two separate questions. Now we've got eight possible prompts from which students need to choose four to write no more than 350 words. You guys all still with me? So a total of about 1,400 words spread across four essays responding to eight possible options, right? Four from across eight possible options. Yeah, and I think this change is incredibly exciting. Um, instead of just having one main stage uh, to uh, advocate for yourself under one main message, you have four separate, somewhat smaller stages, but four separate opportunities to showcase yourself and potentially four different lights. And when you say stage, you're sort of talking about a space where you get out there and you perform. You know, you get the spotlight on you and you've got an opportunity to tell your story. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and you can think about how those four separate ideas might build on each other, relate to each other, and complement each other. So I think it's really important as students approach um, this opportunity of having four separate essays uh, to think about how they relate uh, to, to each other and seize it as an opportunity to represent yourself holistically as opposed to just having one strong uh, conclusion point that a typical uh, personal statement allows. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And I want to talk to you, I want to come back to this idea of how you actually go about the process of making this selection. Because when you have eight options and you can choose only four, I think there's a little bit of pressure there to feel like, how do I actually go about making this choice? And I, I want to get your opinion on how you advise students for that. But before jumping into that part of the question, 
Um, I want to reiterate the point that you made about going to the website uh, for the University of California system and having a look at the factors for admission. Um, Go to that page. Uh, You can just do a web search for factors for admission, University of California, um, and it'll get you there. They tell you how the applications are reviewed. And unlike many other schools, uh, the UCs are pretty transparent about what they care about um, in, in detail, quite a, quite a bit of detail. But there are three sections, I would say actually four sections that relate directly to the essay. Most of the things they're looking for are going to be conveyed through a transcript, through test scores, through extracurricular activities. But there are, f- I think, four things that um, are specifically connected to an essay. Uh, The first would be outstanding work in one or more special projects in any academic field of study. The second would be special talents, achievements, and awards in a particular field, such as visual and performing arts, communication, athletic endeavors, et cetera, et cetera. So they're really talking there about sort of how you might contribute to the intellectual vitality of a campus. That's all personal qualities wrapped into one. Um, Completion of special projects undertaken in the context of your high school curriculum or with special school events. And academic accomplishments in light of your life experiences and special circumstances, including but not limited to disabilities, low family income, first generation to attend college, need to work, disadvantaged social or educational environment, et cetera. So one thing that's a little bit different about the UCs is they kind of want to know everything uh, about your background. They want to know what the pieces of your story are going to be. Um, And that tends to be a little bit different from other schools. Right, Christine? Um, uh, different from other schools in, in, in what way? Uh, that the, the UCs are really looking at these essays as helping to establish more about the context than I think you often get from a, a basic personal statement that you would see on the common application, which has other moving parts like the counselor recommendation letter, like the letter of recommendation from teachers. You've got to build your entire context with your UC application because you don't have those additional advocates. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. And that's, I think, one of the advantages of the UC breaking down their essay into these four shorter essays um, is to allow students to be able to do exactly that. Right. So so let's talk a little bit about how you might go through the process of choosing these four essays. Um, very different topics, a lot of flexibility, I think, in terms of what those topics are. Um, but without talking in specifics about those topics, because we'll do that in the second segment here, how would you advise students start thinking about making their choices? I always encourage students uh, when they begin uh, the essay writing process um, to begin with reflection, self-reflection. I think the first instinct for most students when they approach college essay writing is to go first to the prompt and think about how am I going to answer this question? Um, no admission officer ever said, how well did they answer the prompt? <laughs> they right. want to know instead, uh, you know, what is the student about? What do they care about? What have they done? Who are they? And, um, you know, what prompt in particular you pick when there is a choice um, uh, matters, uh, matters little. It's one of the reasons why you have multiple choices is to underscore that you should be writing the essays that you want to write. So when I'm working with a student, I always begin with just reflection, and I'm a big fan of encouraging students to make a couple of self-reflective lists. Um, the three lists I like to have students make are 
One, a list of things that you're proud of, proud of having accomplished, um, proud of having done. Um, these can be big things like, uh, you know, a blue ribbon at a, a state science fair or little things like teaching your younger brother how to ride a bike. Um, but a list of at least uh, seven to ten things that you're proud of. The second list is things that make you happy, um, things that you do that make you smile, uh, people that you're around and you're happy when, when that's there. List of 10 things that make you happy. And then the third list is a list of things that you want an admission officer to know about you. If you were, if you were given, you know, three minutes in front of this board of people that are going to be determining whether you're going to be a part of their community, what do you want them to know? And if you thoughtfully make these lists and reflection, you usually have your, your essays within the list. And it's about um, uh, bringing uh, some things uh, on those lists together um, and thinking about what the schools that you're applying to value. Um, so this is where the, the website that you just mentioned, Ian, comes into play with the UCs. So I would reflect first on what really jumps out at you as what you want to, uh, to tell, what's important to you. And once you identify those handful of things, you can then turn to the prompts and see how you can make those prompts work for you. Um, you don't want to become a, a, a drone to the prompt. Uh, you want the prompts to work for you and to make sure that you're reflecting the most important things for you, and with the UCs, you have four, so the four most important things, and fit them uh, into the prompt. Yeah, I, I, I love using those lists, and I use that um, process for personal statements. I think I got the idea from you, so I'll credit you there. Um, and I use them for uh, these personal insight questions. I think that they're really helpful. One extra addendum that I would put on, you know, that the things you want an admission officer to know about you. I think a lot of students tend to think about leadership um, or I want them to know that I'm kind or I want them to know that I'm generous with my friends or responsible. Um, I think it's really important, especially in the context of the UCs, that you go to that 13th of the 14 factors about your life experiences and special circumstances and really think about whether any of those apply to you. Um, it, it, I think often students are a little reluctant to share aspects of their family story that they say, you know, I just persisted, you know, despite having some struggles, whether it was mom had to work nights and I had to look after my brother and sister, you know, that's just something that I do. I, I don't want to write about that. That is something the UCs want to know about you. Uh, and it's an important part of their process to understand what that situation looks like. So don't be reluctant to, to be open and to share, uh, especially with the University of California system. Yeah, um, I, I definitely agree. You know, an admission officer is charged with reviewing an application holistically, but it can only be as holistically reviewed as it's holistically presented. <laughs> and so you want to make sure that that admission officer does understand um, the, the, the context in that holistic way and as holistically as you, you can with these four uh, platforms um, uh, of showcasing yourself. 
And, you know, we, um, since I came into college coach, we had a colleague who had worked at the University of California system. And one thing that she sort of reinforced about the way they review applications is that they, they really only give you positive marks for things. They only ever give you pluses. They don't give you minuses. So if you overshare something, uh, they're not going to take away from your application if it's not appropriate to have shared that. Um, so, you know, you want to be decisive because you only have a certain amount of words to use, but don't feel like you're in a position where you're going to be marked down for making a choice that you think that that somebody thinks is wrong if you feel like it's the right one for you. Uh, I think I, I like students to feel like they're empowered to make choices that are right for them, especially with the UC application essays. And I hope that I hope that makes sense. Yeah, agreed. And I think you can um, look at the flip side of that, too, and trying to incorporate as many positives as you can into these essays right. as well uh, to give them uh, even more to put in the, the plus bucket, <laughs> if you will. Right, right. It, it underscores, I think, the importance of really having a clear takeaway for each prompt and really feeling like there is a positive that comes out of that, um, that that reflective story gives them something to latch on to that they can add to their reader sheet. Um, yeah, the one clear question- takeaway is so important. Um, so Absolutely. important. And when I ask a student about what your essay is about, I want a nice, clear takeaway to be their response. Absolutely. I, I wanted to ask you one question before we, we take a break, and we're going to talk about all of these questions in order when we come back from that break. Um, is there a difference mechanically in terms of how you ask students to approach drafting these essays uh, because they're shorter, yeah. uh, because of the nature of the prompts? Do, do they, should they think about it differently? Yeah, um, I think they um, they need to be a bit more straightforward. Um, I think uh, there's room uh, in a the common app personal statement to uh, write a little bit more creatively and uh, have a little bit more of a story and flow going. But with a shorter 350-word essay, you have to, to come in at it uh, a little bit more directly. There's still room to have some fun and creativity with what you're delivering and you want sure. it to be engaging. Um, but definitely it's a more, a more direct uh, essay than um, the Common App personal essay. Gotcha. And, and in our next segment, we've only got about 16 minutes and we've got to get through eight prompts. So we will try and be as direct and focused as we can be in our conversation when we come back. Um, so let's take a quick break uh, and we'll be back after this word uh, to talk to you about those specific essay prompts. Don't go anywhere. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. 
Can you truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. Tune in every week for Envision with host Thomas Rosenberg. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as Thomas speaks with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Folks, before we dive into the UC questions one by one, I want to take a moment for a little housekeeping. Thank you all for your presence here on the show week after week, whether you listen to us live on Voice America or download the podcast so we can keep you company on your commute. We do this show because we want to make this whole process a little easier on you. And we're glad to hear that our advice is reaching such a broad audience, not only all over the country, but all over the world. If you have a chance to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, please don't hesitate to do so. Uh, It'll help more families find their way to our program. And that's really our goal is to be able to talk to as many families as I can, as we can on this weekly show. All right. We've still got Christine on the line. Are you there, Christine? I'm here. Okay, great. And we'd like to add a little more Hollywood to the mix. Uh, and with initials like ET and experience working at USC, who's better for a little glitz and glamour than our own Emily Toffelmeyer? Hey there, Emily. Wow. Wow. That is an intro right there. I, I don't think I can live <laughs> up to that. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't tell you I was going to introduce you that way, but I I think it's more fun for everyone when you don't see it coming. Uh, So (laughs) let's go ahead and walk our way through um, all the personal insight questions. Each of the three of us has the personal insight question website up on our screen. Uh, I would encourage you at home, if you're not driving, go ahead and pull that up as well. Um, And you can see the information there. Uh, As we talk through these, these questions, and we'll take them one at a time, get through as many as we can, I do want to sort of note that the UC website is terrific in giving you an opportunity to think about things to consider for each of these essay prompts. And I would encourage you to read those in addition to listening to our advice. So let's start with number one. Describe an example of your leadership experience in which you have positively influenced others, helped resolve disputes, or contributed to group efforts over time. Emily, how do you think about this particular prompt of leadership? Uh, Well, I think it's one that some students probably automatically skip over because they're not the student council president or president of any club, so they think it doesn't apply to them. But I think that the UC's advice is really helpful, that it can be mentorship. It can be, you know, overseeing a certain project. Um, It can maybe just be in a very small group. So I think that everybody's probably had at least a couple of chances through high school to be a leader, even if it isn't leading a pep rally, I think there are examples that every student can probably dig up from home, school, a club, or a job. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I, lo- I love that it's 
even the family component, they say at the end, do you help or take care of your family? Um, so leadership has a lot of different flavors, uh, a lot of different colors, and, and there's a way to think about how that fits you. Christine, what about you? I mean, students, I think, sometimes struggle with this concept of leadership because they kind of put it in a box. How do you work with them to, to get outside of that box a little bit? Yeah, um, I think this usually, um, I definitely agree with you. They definitely uh, tend to box leadership into a particular um, definition. Um, so uh, one, I try to open, open that up, and usually if they've done the reflective list of things that they're proud of, there's usually something of leadership on that, that source of something um, that, you're, that you're proud of. Um, I, you know, it doesn't have to be have to be a big thing. It can be a small thing that says something big about your character. Um, and I think that's actually a, a point to make in, about essays in general, is that often students go for the big statement, um, but oftentimes a smaller, more simple statement can say something greater um, about your personality. Yeah, I, I like that idea. And one thing that I would add just on this particular prompt is you don't want the takeaway to be that you are the president of a club or that you had a certain responsibility um, because those things are included in your extracurricular activities list. So if you're just repeating something that exists elsewhere on the application, you're not advancing an understanding of who you are. So I, I want to know about your style of leadership. I want to know about how you impacted others. So it's more about the how in there rather than the what. All right, I think we should move on to the second one. Every person, every person has a creative, creative side. And it can be expressed in many ways, problem solving, original and innovative thinking, and artistically, to name a few. Describe how you express your creative side. I feel like I'm actually asking that question of the two of you. But instead of asking that question of the two of you, how do you get students to think about uh, creativity? Another thing that I think students get a little boxed into, right, Christine? Absolutely. I think um, a lot of the, the same sentiment in the leadership essay definitely applies to this one. Um, I think a lot of students immediately say, well, I'm not an artist or I don't play uh, an instrument, so this is not a prompt for me. Um, but uh, creativity is pretty much in, in everything that we do. Um, if you're on the robotics team, you're creatively um, using um, you know, mathematics uh, to come up, applied mathematics to come up with solutions to problems. Um, it might be appreciating um, uh, the beauty in something that you see. You're not an artist yourself, but you appreciate uh, the design of that car or um, the way colors combine in uh, you know, a particular painting that, that you admire. Um, so um, I think that the key here is to not box yourself into a narrow definition of creativity as I have to be an artist in order to answer this question. Emily, there's a there's a question under things to consider here that says, how does your creativity influence your decisions inside or outside the classroom? Does your creativity relate to your major or a future career? How, how much do you encourage students on, on a question like this to connect their creativity to future outcomes? And how much do you encourage them to focus on the thing itself? I think that can depend on the student. Um, I think that if a student's really undecided about what they want to study, then probably want to stay away from that part of the essay and just talk about the act itself. Um, but I think if a student is really passionate about their future major or career and they haven't had a chance in another prompt to talk about that interest in the major or career, this is a great opportunity to do it. So, for example, I think a lot of STEM students, a lot of students who are very hands-on and problem-solving and want to study engineering, this is often a good place for them to talk about 
a problem related to engineering or building that they've solved and then to tie that into their future major. So I think it's a good option for that type of student. I think if you're very undecided, maybe just talk about um, the way that you express yourself creatively in the classroom, at home, or in your clubs, and don't necessarily think about a future major. Right. And I think in that in that case, you're coming back to the how again. How do you express yourself creatively, and, and what does that say about you and your personality? All right. We're two out of eight, one-fourth of the way there. Number three, what would you say is your greatest talent or skill? How have you developed and demonstrated that talent over time? Is there a limit to how we describe talent or skill, or can it be literally anything? How do, how do you think about that kind of stuff? I'm not going to prompt either of you. Whoever feels like you got a, a great answer to this, go for it. Um, I'm in camp. Anything goes for this one. Um, I think that anything goes responses are kind of more fun uh, rather than talking about something that it's expected. I don't know. Maybe it's more fun to talk about how you've you know, perfected a certain type of souffle because you love to cook or you do nail art. I think in addition to, to doing, you know, playing violin or being an artist or perfecting something that's more recognized and on your resume, I think it's fun to throw in an activity here that maybe you wouldn't normally list in your activity section but that you feel like is a really vital part of your personality. Yeah, it can be a creative way to open a door to something that you want to share. Like I had a student that wrote about, I think I said this on the radio show before, but he wrote about memorizing fruit codes as his greatest talent. And that wasn't true. Like it wasn't his greatest talent, but his talent was the work ethic that he carried with him as a cashier at his local grocery store. This is a job that he worked many hours, even during the school year. And so knowing the fruit codes, like what the banana is, what the orange is, like off the top of his head, was about more about his devotion to his work and his ability to succeed in that context. And it was a really great, really successful essay, I think, as a result of that. Christine, you had something you wanted to add. Yeah, I, I would say I think if you've if you've done a reflection exercise, this is where you can really pull in um, things from the the things that make me happy list, the things that when I do them I lose 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 track of time. Um, I really see this as an opportunity to showcase personality. Uh, this prompt, um, and I think um, uh, every student will will have something to to naturally um, mold to answer this prompt. Right. And, you know, I think you don't have to feel like I am talented or I am super skilled, but you can think about talents or skills that really work well for you. So really, this is about sharing who you are, not about saying I'm an Olympian or I was, you know, the national champion in this or that, but but just what, what makes you tick. Um, all right. On to number four. We're making a nice pace here. Um, this one, I think, is very specific. It's Describe how you have taken advantage of a significant educational opportunity or work to overcome an educational barrier you have faced. Um, Is this a question that every student could respond to or is it geared toward a specific kind of student? I find this uh, to be a, a more a more specific prompt. Um, I think every student has probably uh, can relate to the second half, work to overcome an educational barrier, whether it was that really hard calculus proof that you stayed up till 3 a.m. trying to overcome, um, or, uh, I don't know, a science project that you just couldn't get to work. You can um, make that fit to the prompt. Um, uh, I think the underlying um, point of this is, perseverance through uh, educational obstacle. Yeah, I'd agree that this is one to stay positive on, too, to not focus on, you know, if you got a bad grade, let's not spend too much time dwelling on the failure or, or the obstacle, but more on 
how you overcame it. And I think you could almost answer both parts of this question in one. You could say, I had this barrier, so I took advantage of this opportunity to enrich my education by enrolling in this class or doing an online tutorial or taking advantage of a great teacher who offered me extra help. I think you could actually cover both of those just in one answer to this prompt. Yeah, and I, knowing I totally that the UCs agree. are looking for positives, um, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, that approach works really well. Right. I think one thing you really want to stay away from is is throwing a teacher under the bus or a counselor or saying my school, you know, prevented me from taking this class or I didn't get approved for this. You don't want to be in a position where you're you're blaming others. Um, and for the UCs, I think in large part because that those are wasted words that don't help to explain how you overcame it. So focus with those 350 words on the overcoming part, um, because that's, again, that's that's really the positive. Um, th- this question number five is fairly similar. Describe the most significant challenge you have faced and the steps you have taken to overcome this challenge. How has this challenge affected your academic achievement? And I do want to point out that there is a question on the MIT application that is very similar to this one. So uh, this is a, one of those prompts that I think you'll, you'll see show up a few times for different schools. It's not UC exclusive. Agreed. I think, you know, uh, colleges know that uh, when you come to their campus, you're going to be more challenged than you have been challenged before. (laughs) And so it's a really natural question for them to want to know of how how equipped are you to handle this exciting new challenge of college um, that you're going to be coming into. And um, I think that leads it to be a more common prompt in college uh, supplements. Emily, what do you think about using this prompt to write about a class that was hard? Um, You know, the first time you took an AP class, for example, or the first time you took an honors class, for example, uh, what what would that essay have to look like for it to be effective in making a positive impact on your application? I think just like number four, it would have to be a real demonstration of your persistence and not giving up in the face of an obstacle. Um, But I also understand that this one does put some students off because they feel like in the grand scheme of things, they haven't really faced that many significant challenges. And and that's that's great. If you've been blessed enough to not have any major setbacks in your life, then maybe this isn't the best question for you. Um, But I I think that everybody's struggle is valid. I just know that sometimes when comparing obstacle or challenge essays, when I worked at USC, it it was hard sometimes to come off of a very light challenge to an extremely serious life-threatening challenge and compare those two to one another. Um, So I'm in the camp of like maybe avoiding this one if you don't have a lot of challenges you've faced in your life. I might be in the minority there, but that's my personal feeling on this one. I I tend to feel really similarly about both four and five, but especially five, is that if your your challenge is one that a lot of students are encountering, um, it's going to be hard to write it in a way that makes a positive impression on you in a way that differentiates you. So just writing about this is the first time I took a hard class, a lot of people have that experience. So let's look for some things that are that are different for you. And that might be prompt number six instead, which is think about, about an academic subject that inspires you. Describe you, uh, how you have furthered this interest inside or outside of the classroom. Um, Christine, I think this is a little bit like the intellectual vitality essay that Stanford has had for a long time. Um, you know, what's uh, an experience that you had that has contributed to your intellectual vitality? How would you encourage students to approach this academic subject question? Yeah, um, you. this is where you let your inner nerd really come out. 
um, that academic uh, topic subject that uh, you just get really excited about. Um, the thing that could hit, uh, you know, the front of the, the newspaper in the morning and you'd let your oatmeal go cold because you want to read about <laughs> that thing. Um, and you channel that uh, into the essay and you want the reader to feel some of that enthusiasm uh, that you have. Um, uh, kind of showcase um, uh, that that spark uh, that you feel as you think about that particular topic. What would you add, Emily, to that description? Um, yeah, I think the enthusiasm is really important. Um, sometimes students try to sound too formal in their college application writing, and this is one to really let your excitement jump off the page. And I would also just add, too, that you need to address the the second part of the prompt, describe how you further this interest. Um, and so, and they give you some great examples on the UC page, like independent research, you take outside courses, maybe for you, it's just going down internet rabbit holes or binging on documentaries about World War II, like whatever it may be. I think you should talk about specific ways that you've explored it um, and taken advantage of other opportunities. Awesome. Awesome. We have two prompts left and not enough time to get to both of them. So I'm going to give a tip of the cap to prompt number eight, which is beyond what has already been shared in your application, what do you believe makes you stand out as a strong candidate for admissions to the University of California? That is sort of like if you have a fourth thing that you really feel like doesn't fit the other four available prompts that you have to choose from. Uh, but I'd like to go back and, and ask both of your opinion on prompt number seven. What have you done to make your school or your community a better place? Um, this is one I think almost all students really gravitate towards. Uh, what are some things to be cautious of as you're writing about improving your school or community for this particular essay prompt, Emily? Um, I think whenever you're talking about an accomplishment or like helping other people, it's important to stay humble and sound modest. I know it's hard to brag about something that you did while also um, sounding modest, but I think it's a good idea if you write this to give it to somebody else or give it to, or maybe let your eyes rest and then read it a couple days later. And just, if it sounds like somebody's giving themselves a pat on the back in the essay, I think you maybe need to do a rewrite and change some of the language just so you don't come off as sounding overly proud of yourself or smug. Good, good, good tips. Christine, what would you add to that? Uh, to, to stay away from or uh, to include? <laughs> how, would you, how would you approach this particular question? I think maybe Emily's given us something to stay away from. What would you include? Yeah, um, I, I kind of think of this question a little bit of a, of a heart piece. Um, uh, college admission officers are not just admitting uh, brains for their academic programs, but admitting community members. Um, and this is your opportunity to show uh, what kind of a community member you're going to be. How are you going to be a positive add to that class? Um, and so um, I think it's in contrast to prompt six, which I think of as the brain question. I think of mm -hmm. number seven as the heart question. Um, and so, uh, yeah, focusing on kind of that best trait, that best add that you bring uh, to a community of people um, is what to highlight here. Well, yeah, thank you, Christine and, and Emily, for what you've added to this conversation, what you bring to our college coach community. I, I appreciate it today and every day. So uh, thanks, thanks to both of you for coming on the show. All right, thanks, Ian. Thanks for having us. All right, when we come back, we'll be talking about fall scholarships. So don't go away. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England, along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week, and each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And we're back. Of late, we've been filling the gaps between segments with highlights of schools from all over the country. I want to take some time today to highlight the Illinois Institute of Technology. And not only because they sent me a cool t-shirt just for adding them to my Common App account. You can find this spotlight and others on our College Coach blog at blog.getintocollege.com. So here's IIT. For students who live and breathe science, technology, engineering, or math, and long to be surrounded by classmates and professors who are as equally passionate about the same, look no further than the Illinois Institute of Technology. IIT's 2,800 undergrads can choose from six academic divisions, such as science, human science, and applied technology, and 36 majors, including popular programs in architecture, electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, and computer science. A brand new major, bioanalytical chemistry, sounds tough, is the first bachelor's program of its kind in the U.S. Given that IIT is a Ph.D.-granting institution with more grad students than undergrads, opportunities for student research are outstanding. Professors' interests range from macromolecular crystallography to statistical modeling of psychopathology, and the school's 30 research centers and institutes nearly guarantee that undergrads will find a mentor in their area of interest. Although technology permeates all aspects of academic life, students here know how to have fun. Active students can turn to 16 D3 varsity sports or more than 150 clubs and organizations, including Greek life and acapella. Fun fact, IIT's 120-acre campus, which located just three miles from downtown Chicago, is incredibly diverse. International students and students of color each comprise approximately 25% of the student body. 
And with that short interlude, I'd like to welcome my final guest of the day, a former senior financial aid officer at Babson College and eternal finance expert, Michelle Clifton. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks, Ian. Thanks for having me. Of course. So over on the admissions side of the coin, we're fielding all kinds of questions this time of year about applying and early action and those kinds of things. But it occurs to me that on the finance side, you're fielding similar questions about paying for college and scholarships. So is fall the best time for seniors to apply for scholarships? Yeah, so there's lots of times throughout the year to search for and apply for scholarships, but I think this is one of the the better times. Um, there's a lot of Good. deadlines coming up soon, um, but I should take a second to mention that right now, seniors should really make sure that they're aware of any merit scholarship requirements for the colleges that they're applying to. Um, oftentimes there aren't, as we know, but sometimes there's earlier, you know, priority deadlines or um, a separate essay or even a video that's required for consideration. So you don't want to leave any money on the table. Um, so that's one thing to to keep in mind first. Uh, but yeah. it's also a great time to to apply for private scholarships. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's a. I always encourage students to hit those priority deadlines if they can. I, I think it helps them both in terms of financial aid and in terms of admission, uh, and it sure. saves you a lot of stress because you're done with those those applications earlier, and you can enjoy <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner without worrying about writing that essay. Um, yeah, good point. How about some examples? We always have hear from y'all on the finance team about some really cool scholarships. Do you have any examples of private scholarships that maybe have deadlines this fall? Yeah, I found a couple. I thought it'd be fun to highlight them just to show how, you know, random and different that they can be. Um, so I found one that's due on October 31st. It's And the winners are actually announced on November 20th. So you don't have a long period of time to wait to see nice. if you were um, selected. Um, but applicants do have to be high school seniors in this case. Um, they have to be from Arkansas, California, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, or Texas. And it's called okay. the National Rice Month Scholarship. And, and the website is thinkrice.com slash scholarship. And you actually send a short video that's three minutes or less, and you talk about the importance of rice. So whether that could be <laughs> for the, uh, about rice production, healthy eating, sustainability, and so on. They'll actually pick three winners between uh, $1,500 and $4,000. I thought this was interesting because videos are actually becoming more popular for scholarship applications. It's not just, you know, some essay anymore. That's awesome. That's really yeah. great. Uh, we were just, we were made rice for dinner last night and with, you know, it's <laughs> great. It goes really great with fish. And uh, uh, my wife was saying we need to get a rice cooker uh, because it would, it would be great to always count on really excellent rice. Like we never have to worry about making it in a pot. So <laughs> I can feel like I could do a three-minute video on the excellence of rice. Um, <laughs> That's funny. Are, are there other other scholarships this fall that have caught your eye that you, you've taken a look at? Yeah, so I've thought um, the VFW has a couple um, due uh, with one application that's due on November 1st. So okay. that's one that, that students – and actually that's open for all – any level of high school student. And then they also have one for middle school students as well. So this is not just um, – you know, seniors, and they um, they have one that you send an, a video essay and another one that you actually write an essay, uh, but you apply at your local VFW post, so I thought that was an interesting one. And then for an example of one that, that has a lot of different parts to it is the Explorers Club has these grants, um, it's explorers.org. Mm-hmm. This is open for undergrad, high school seniors, undergrads, and graduate students. And you have to submit a 
a project description with scientific objectives, um, qualifications of who will be working on the project, a career objective, and a letter of recommendation. So it, this is just one example of a scholarship that ha- has many different parts to it. So my assumption is that they probably don't get that many applicants. Um, so if you have the time and, and interest in, in something like that, it's probably a good idea to apply. So you tend to think that if um, it, it might be the case that if they're looking at a broader target population, that it might be that they're not getting as many applications from, say, high school seniors. That's my guess. Um, okay. You know, and I say that because on another example of, you know, when I was at Babson, we had one scholarship that was just for juniors and you had to submit a, a an application with it, and we really didn't get that many applications every year. It was a $5,000 scholarship, and it wasn't a super in-depth application, but I think sometimes when there's, you know, more pieces than just filling out a form, then sometimes students just don't make the time for it. So, you know, if something interests you and you have the time to do it, absolutely take the time. And And it is is a hard time when you've got a lot of stuff going on. We've got a lot of seniors and parents of seniors listening, but also parents of juniors and sophomores on down. And I'm wondering, is it okay if you wait until your senior year to start applying for scholarships or searching for scholarships? Yeah, it is. It is okay, but it's it's certainly not ideal. I think, you know, we all know it's a super busy time for seniors, so any kind of prep work they can do for the scholarship process ahead of time can really help. You know, if you do some searching and see what types of themes are, are asked on these applications as far as, you know, essays and videos that you'll have to do, if you can get some of that prep work done ahead of time, but and then you're really a lot better off and, and more likely to actually apply once you get to that senior year and beyond. Um, now, but you know, of course, you know if you, if you have to do it in the in the fall of senior year, that's great, but right. and okay. But anything you can do ahead of time is will help. Right. If you're if you're a senior, it's not like you can go back in time. So so exactly. still look for scholarships now. Um, do you, you think don't uh, not do it because student, you're a senior? But yeah. Right. So if, if you're a senior now, should you focus on local scholarship options, things that are in your community, or would you recommend going to a scholarship search website and, and searching a little bit more broadly, casting that net wider? Yeah. So I think it's worthwhile to do both, but I've definitely found that local scholarships are a lot, students are a lot more likely to, to receive those because, you know, the competition mm-hmm. is not as vast. And um, so I would start there, check in with the guidance um, office to see if they have a list of scholarships that check in with local organizations, you know, the grocery store, church, garden club, heritage youth, civic organizations, whatever you can think of, check in with them first. And then take a little bit of time and use one of the scholarship search websites. Um, one that I like a lot is scholarships.com because you can actually put them in order of when the applications are due. Okay. So even if students go back, you know, for a little bit of time each month, see what's, what's due coming up. That way it's not as daunting and they can kind of spread up, the, spread out the um, application process. Now, we find in the admission side that, you know, you have these big clusters of deadlines, November 1st, December 1st, January 1st. Um, when are, are most scholarship applications due? Do they tend to cluster like that or are they just sort of all over the place? Yeah, it's funny. They can be all over the place. You know, fall and early winter is a really big time, even summer. Um, but there really are deadlines all throughout the year. So I think it, it is worthwhile to, to even check on that national level year round. Gotcha. Now, one of the things we've talked about previously on the show um, is the availability of scholarship money 
even after you've started in college. Um, and that a lot of students, I think, tend to stop thinking about applying for extra aid once they get into college because they figure that's that's it. That's all I'm going to get. Um, what would you recommend for students who are maybe going back to school for their second or their third year this fall um, in terms of looking for a little extra funding? Yeah, I, there's certainly a lot of opportunities that are geared towards seniors in high school, but there's then others that are open to anyone. So I think it, it is worthwhile to apply while you're in college and continue to search. So whether it's using a scholarship search tool or um, even looking on campus, you know, checking in with your department to see if they have any one-time scholarships for returning students. Um, they're often not as, you know, there's not as many as there are, you know, merit scholarships coming in for new students, but sometimes there are miscellaneous, um, different, like, endowed scholarships and things like that. And uh, not all, and sometimes students don't know about it until you ask. I want to ask you a question that I think you probably get often from families that might be frustrating, kind of a hard question to answer, which is <laughs> about how many how many scholarships do I need to apply to to make sure that I get a little bit of extra money? Yeah, that is so hard. I wish I knew that. Right. Um, that one, and, and is it worth it to apply? <laughs> right. Um, you know, I, it, it really depends. I don't know. It, it all depends on who's applying, how many are, people are applying to different scholarships. Um, I I did. I had a student that I used to work with who was getting like twelve thousand dollars every year, and I always wanted to ask her what her secret was because she got it every single year and, and was so diligent in, in getting the funding. Um, yeah, I think you know whatever whatever time you can make and and to put towards scholarship searching is worthwhile. I don't, I don't think there's a magic number of of how many to apply for. Gotcha. But you would recommend sort of looking locally, uh, perhaps yeah. doing a little bit of a search nationally, um, and then whatever you have capacity to be able to do along with those applications is a good idea to try and do that. Yep. Just always keep an eye out, you know, whenever you're out and about, see, see who has scholarships available. Yeah, they say money doesn't grow on trees, but these scholarships are everywhere. So you have to keep an eye out, send in those applications. Uh, hopefully you'll, you'll uh, be successful. Thank you, uh, Michelle, for taking the time to come out and speak with us about scholarships. And I, I hope you have a terrific weekend. Thanks. You're most welcome. So next week, we'll be back. We'll be talking all about standing out. How do you get noticed in the college admissions process? You might be surprised to hear that there's no magic formula to being selected in a highly competitive pool. Actually, if you listen to this show every week, you probably know that there's no magic formula to being selected in a highly competitive pool. But we'll still give you an idea of what you can aim for and how you can sharpen your application so that it's distinctive in a pool of many, many other compelling candidates. We'll also open up our office hours to talk about standardized testing. What scores do you send and when? For those of you who are in the thick of the application process, there is no better time to hear about how all those numbers get in the hands of admissions officers when they read their file. All right, folks, that's it for today. I made a little shout out for the D-backs at the start of the show. I need to give them one more note of positive vibes here. Hopefully by the time you hear this, they've already made their way to the divisional series. I'll let Beth rave about the Red Sox another time, East Coast, East Coast. Uh, but for now, it's all about my D-backs. Thank you for joining us and enjoy the fall. Have a great weekend. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. 
hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. Please join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week. We'll be right back.